Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. It is the daily. It is Thursday morning, and we welcome you back to a conversation about Berm's favorite thing, the transfer portal. That's mm. actually my favorite thing is the NIL. Um, oh, I'm second sorry. favorite thing is the transfer portal. Um, it's just unfortunate that we have to talk about it. And I was thinking about this on Wednesday as I was writing about it at OhioState.Rivals.com. Isn't this window just too long? Like, <laughs> I don't think that players should be able to say any time from December 4th all the way up to December 18th or January 18th. Okay, I'm leaving. Like, I just don't think that should work um, because it, uh, obviously we look at this from an Ohio State perspective. But if you think about the situation the Buckeyes now find themselves in after Tuesday night's departures um, from, from a guy like J.K. Johnson and, and what we saw with Javante Jean-Baptiste on Monday when he decided to enter the transfer portal, like, wouldn't it have been nice for Ohio State to know those things three weeks ago? Like, shouldn't that have to happen by signing day? I, I, I just feel like you'd have a much better idea of what you need to do in a set of standing pat and saying, hey, we're good. We don't need to go get anybody. We've got these guys here. Then all of a sudden you need guys and there's no one there. What's well, the player empowerment part? The NCAA is like essentially unable or unwilling or struck down by the government to do anything about that every time. They try to stop or make a change that would limit player movement. Uh, they get immediately struck down in the courts. So you're, I think you should count yourself lucky that it's only six weeks. I think there just needs to be rules, man. Like, <laughs> I just think rules are important. That's all. I don't know how you play. How do you have a functioning athletic organization without a set of real rules that are enforceable and punishable if broken? Like, otherwise, there is no point. You cannot play the sport. Anyway, yes, that is correct. Soapbox off. So he's Berm. I'm Austin. Uh, and it's not all one way traffic for Ohio State. On Tuesday night, uh, up the top safety in the transfer portal, the top target for Ohio State as well at that position, Jihad Carter from Syracuse, made his commitment known and he has chosen the Buckeyes. So, Berm, why is this a big deal? Well, it's a big deal because, as you mentioned, he is the top safety on the board and, and has been for Ohio State since he entered the portal uh, at six foot two, hundred and ninety 190 pounds. He, he's a player that will play a similar role to that of Tanner McAllister from a year ago, but not in the same body type. I mean, this is not your traditional what we think of as the slot corner slot safety has been these five foot 11 guys like Tanner or Cam Martinez. Um and what you get with a guy like Jihad Carter is the flexibility to play him back in the deep safety role as well because he does have that range and that length to, to be back there. So um, when you have Ronnie Hickman leaving and McAllister leaving and Josh Proctor leaving uh, and Lathan Ransom still making his NFL decision, it becomes really important to have a guy that's flexible that can move around and play a lot of spots. And not just play a lot of spots, but he started, I think, 18 games in his career, extremely productive at Syracuse, and a guy that uh, – Ohio State identified as their their guy, and when you're playing that safety-driven defense, you need someone that can drive back there. <laughs> and we were talking about uh, him on the way back from Atlanta. We knew how much of a priority Carter was to Ohio State, and you had floated the idea that he had so much positional versatility that he may even be able to fill a void at corner. Now, we don't think that that is going to be the case, but the fact that you uh, had watched enough film and Bill Landis as well and had watched him as well, he does slot corner stuff. Maybe he could play as a true corner. Ohio State doesn't project him there. I don't think that he will line up there, but it does speak to um, the versatility that he has, especially plugging him in. If he goes into that nickel slot position, 
what that could mean for Ohio State because he could certainly if you look at him physically and in terms of the production he had at Syracuse, both of that stuff checks a higher level box than Tanner McAllister did. McAllister did did fine work there, and he obviously brought in plenty of familiarity with Jim Knowles' system. But I think that you know Carter would probably be at least the projection or the expectation would be that he could have a much greater impact for Ohio State than McAllister did. Yeah, athletically, he's a little bit different. I mean, he's that longer, twitchier athlete, and uh, he did play some corner on the outside at Syracuse, and so there is that possibility. It, it is obviously, as you said, not what Ohio State expects or what they're planning, but the reality is we weren't expecting to see Jansen Dunn and Cameron Martinez playing outside corner last uh, fall, so anything can happen in a room that's pretty thin and that got thinner even this week for Ohio State, as we mentioned, with the departure of J.K. Johnson. So, um is that they're going to continue to look for another outside cornerback. I wonder if there's any possibility. Deuce Chestnut, who's a teammate of Carter's at Syracuse, is a guy that is is still being at least peripherally mentioned. Um, but it's more likely, I think, at this point that Ohio State will wait until after this uh, transfer period window and, and instead look towards the postgraduate time frame in, in May before they really move elsewhere. The nice thing about corner specifically is that it's a position that doesn't require a whole lot of acclimatization, a lot of acclimating uh, because (laughs) it's, it's pretty much plug and play corner and running back are are the two easiest positions in the game to, to plug and play. So um, especially if you're just putting them out on an Island saying, go cover that guy. Well, and the other, I don't know if benefit is the right word. If Ohio state stands pat in the current window and waits until May, which I think is probably what they will do, then you still have, even though you're thin, in the meantime, for March and April at cornerback, or relatively thin, you would be able to give a lot more reps potentially uh, to Jair Brown. How much more? I mean, we're only talking about one guy making a difference. Maybe that's not a huge amount, but Ohio State does want to bring along somebody like Jair Brown. Jordan Hancock is still trying to catch up on a number of reps. You'll have some early enrollees that can get in there. Two of those that, uh, who knows, maybe they'll play uh, right away. So what's that? Just one, one will be a, okay. I thought yeah, Jerm- Jermaine Matthews is enrolling early. Calvin Simpson Hunt is not. Uh, he decided he wanted to run track at, at final, it, which is unfortunate because uh, looking on the social medias this week, he is absolutely tearing it up uh, in San Antonio at the All American Bowl. Um, but yeah, your point is well made. I mean, aside from getting a healthy uh, Denzel Burke back, getting the opportunity to get Jordan Hancock fully up to speed. Jair Brown, Ryan Turner, Jermaine Matthews, all these guys are going to get a lot more reps uh, this spring than maybe they would have otherwise, but not even really just about the reps as it is about the opportunity to step up and fill a leadership vacuum. And, and that's what I think is the most important thing in that room. Somebody's going to have to step up. And if, if the Ohio State doesn't feel that or see that in the next month and a half, two months, you may see them go after two guys in the in the portal in May because uh, you're going to learn a lot about these guys in a the, in the very short amount of time. Yeah, part of that uh, opportunity is because J.K. Johnson has left Ohio State after two seasons. I don't think we can consider that much of a surprise, Berm. Um, he did start five games, though. He's pressed into action. He handled himself decently well, and then I think started to hit a little bit of a wall, and there was a decline. And then um, just watching him uh, in November and around Peach Bowl preparations, his demeanor was not great. It felt like the writing was probably on the wall there. And we know that there had been conversations about him potentially uh, exploring an exit even after his first year on campus. So 
This is not something that Ohio State was unprepared for. No, and it's unfortunate, however, because he did have the opportunity this year to emerge as a kid who you weren't expecting to start five games uh, as a sophomore with the corners that they had with Burke and, and Brown coming back. But then you got a chance to didn't like take it fully by the horns. And then when Cam Brown got back and Denzel Burke got healthy and that playing time lagged, you could see the uh, energy and interest lag from from uh, J.K. Johnson. And you hope that he finds what he's looking for at the next stop. But as you mentioned a year ago, we were having conversations or, or hearing that he was uh, pr- trying to to drum up enough uh, courage, I guess, or whatever to leave Ohio State a year ago. And, and the Buckeye said, hey, you have an opportunity here to, to really be a great player. And he was a guy with Jordan Hancock in the class of 2021. That was the top. Those were the top two cornerbacks on the board for Ohio State, period. That's who they wanted the most. Um, they really believe that J.K. Johnson physically has all the tools to be a great player. Um, however, sometimes it doesn't work out in your first stop and you move on. I, I don't know if LSU will be where he ends up. That's where his former high school coach is, but I know Oklahoma and others have showed interest as well. So it's, uh, I guess, uh, good luck. And, 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 you know, now Ohio State has to fill that spot. That's what I'm saying. Like, it's weird because if you knew this a month ago, you could have been a lot more aggressive with someone like Fentrell Cypress, the second team all ACC corner at Virginia who Ohio State was tentatively recruiting and 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 trying to get to know, but not really aggressively, um, and maybe that would have changed things. Yeah, it's because the last time we had this conversation where we did a full transfer portal episode of the Daily, so, well, what are the needs? Well, we, we said corner was likely to be one um, and that Ohio State would not turn down opportunities to uh, – investigate corners that were in there. Cypress was one of those. But as you mentioned, they didn't go about it full bore. And and at the moment, I would say that they're still not, uh, even as it shapes up that way. As I, as I said, I think um, you and I probably agree that they will wind up waiting until May in that window, although we'll see what transpires. Uh, the transfer portal is notoriously difficult to predict. Um, well, it's not. There's actually a lot of things that yeah. are very predictable about it. I take all that back. Scratch it. Uh, but you look at the board, we said, well, maybe – well, definitely an offensive tackle, probably a corner. Uh, they've talked to linebackers. We thought that was a little bit surprising. There could be more urgency for that if Tommy Eichenberg um, uh, makes a surprising decision from our estimation to go to the NFL. Uh, the same would be true potentially at tight end with Kate Sober. You look at basically what I'm saying is the options for Ohio State to be much more aggressive and active in the transfer portal in this cycle is very different than the previous couple of years where it was very selective. Part of that had to do with they didn't have a ton of key guys leaving. And I'm not saying that everyone in this situation, like Javante Jean-Baptiste or um, you know Taraja Mitchell, are impactful departures, but the amount of people going out opens up more room for people to come in. So they may have to do that, and you're looking at tackle, corner, maybe linebacker, and even a defensive end, perhaps. Yeah, and the issue to me with a guy like Javante Jean-Baptiste is not that you lose X amount in productivity. It's that he waited for four years to be the starter at Ohio State and is in a position next year to be the starter at Ohio State and decided to leave anyway. Now, is that a sign that he doesn't believe he's capable of getting that shot, or does he think he's not going to get the opportunity? I don't know, but um, it is frustrating. And We talked last time, as you said, about the transfer portal and thought Ohio State could look at corner, and now here you are. Kay and Lee did, in fact, flip sign with Auburn. Now you lose J.K. Johnson. It becomes a much more pressing issue that you do need to get one at some point. Defensive end, I think there's a lot of 
scuttlebutting about uh, Kenyatta Jackson and Amari Abor. Ohio State believes that they're going to be okay and, and that both those guys are going to stick around. But it, you see a lot of just weird things on social media, and you you don't want to pay too much time and attention to that stuff, but it does matter because those kids are – generally speaking, going to be putting their uh, feelings on their sleeves and showing people what they're wanting to do. Uh, but the positions haven't changed. It's offensive tackle Jarrett Kingston from Washington State. He's visiting Ohio State uh, on Thursday. So that's a big opportunity for the Buckeyes to, to see if they can cement something there. He's probably the top tackle option for the Buckeyes. He's originally from California. USC is the other team to look for. So that's sort of, you know, read the tea leaves, I guess. Uh, but it is an opportunity for it is an opportunity for Justin Fry to to, to say, "Hey, we're going to have two openings at tackle, and you're going to have one year to make a lot of money uh, as not just NIL, but also potentially to get developed for the draft." So, um, the tight end again, if Stover and Eichenberg do what we talked about on on the Wednesday show, which is surprisingly opt for the NFL tight end, which was a position we thought they may get one anyway or look for one because they've actually hosted tight ends already in this cycle. Um, mm-hmm then things get a little weird. But again, who's available now? Who's available in May? I mean, you just... <laughs> any, 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 are there any Buckeye <laughs> legacies out there at tight end who are playing good football in the Big Ten, perhaps, oh. at a team that just brought in a transfer portal tight end from, let's say, Michigan or whatever, that oh. that kid decides, maybe I'd like to go home? Uh, is there a possibility of that? Wow. I think that? I think that you could at least consider that that would be a potential option. I'm, there's no discussion about it anywhere outside of my brain, but like sometimes things make a lot of sense. You know what I mean? What a very specific. Don't do that. <laughs> Use your brain. Yeah, not, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. But coming and, you, coming and going. <laughs> that was such a specific example, Verb. I don't know if anybody, surely there's no one who fits all of that description. I, You never know. I just think that in this world we're living in, you have to be willing to explore all options. And sometimes Occam's razor is the razor to, with we should be cutting ourselves with because it's the most simple answer. You know what I mean? The simple answer. Why, why not just use it to shave? Why do you have to cut yourself? I don't know. That was a Disca- disturbing, disturbing <laughs> turn of events there. The, the scars remind us that the past is real. Oh, that's good. Um, Anyway, but yeah, there, there's obviously needs. I mean, so um, we've watched Ryan Day be very selective, and now we're going to see because Ohio State is not going to make any major attempt to sign any additional 2023 uh, senior prospects from high school. This next month is going to be almost exclusively related to the transfer portal and who they think can make be a fit from there. Yeah. Um, anything else about it that jumps into your mind that we need to talk about? No, I mean, I, I think that we've we've been – on this bus for a while and people want to see Ohio state be more aggressive, but they want to even comparing it to Michigan and what they've done in it. Michigan's brought in what seven different guys from the transfer portal in this cycle, but they had a recruiting class that was ranked like number 19 in the country when it came to just prep. So they're, there's, you know, they're augmenting that class and, and, and um, complimenting that class by bringing in these transfer guys. Ohio state has chosen not to go that route, but because roster management is now a 365 days a year endeavor, like you're going to see some of these ebbs and flows where things suddenly change that you didn't really anticipate being a need now being a need. I think what's, it also takes a different perspective. And I, I sort of alluded to this on at the start of the early signing period. And I asked Ryan day about it. Like it's no more just evaluating what you did solely 
in your signing class. Um, and I think that that's the biggest adjustment because there was a lot of angst about players that Ohio State didn't sign and name, image, and likeness. Well, you have an opportunity to fix that and address that. If they had missed at safety, guess what? They still addressed it with a player who's got a lot better chance of impacting Ohio State immediately than any high school player. It doesn't change my overall belief or Ryan Day's philosophy that Ohio State has to be a development program and that it needs to add 20 to 25 players every year and see their career through and build a strong culture. All that remains true. But you can't just evaluate an off-season program based on a recruiting class anymore because th this option exists and it's real. And it's oftentimes spectacular if it's Justin Fields or Jonah Jackson or Trey Sermon. So um, that part, I think, you know, that you, you're putting a lot of eggs in that recruiting basket and the signing class basket still. That's never going to change for Ohio State. But uh, the things that they are adding now with Jihad Carter or or can add in the next two weeks or likely someone that they will add in May changes that perspective entirely for what the off-season work they did is. Yeah, and it's also a byproduct of when you recruit really great players in out of the high school ranks and they don't come to Ohio State and play right away, you're going to find teams around the country because tampering is now legal and you can do whatever you want, <laughs> immediately calling the freshmen that are at Ohio State and saying, oh, you're you're not going to play there. Look, now it's time to come home. And NIL used as an inducement to bring those kids back home. This is just the new way of the game. And so you need to be willing and able and ready to adapt at a moment's notice. And Ohio State is going to do that, period. And and especially when it comes to the transfer portal and and how they attack it because they know that their players are literally being poached by other teams just if they didn't if they didn't play a, a starting role at Ohio State. Like I've said it before, and, and this is an example of why I think you're gonna see college football become more like college basketball in the way that You'll see a team like TCU every couple of years who is going to be a fully veteran team. You're going to have seniors across the board playing a bunch of younger players, 17, 18-year-old freshmen and sophomores, because those guys are going to stick it out in programs like TCU or Kansas or Iowa State, et cetera. And the programs like Ohio State, Alabama, Georgia, uh, they're going to be turning over players a lot more often, I think, because you're recruiting at such a high level that those kids are expecting or being told, if you don't play right away, you should leave. This is not where you need to be because there's so many other spots to play. And I think it really is going to change the way that we view college football from what is a what is a good program because the good programs anymore are not going to have the opportunity to, to develop guys for three, four years. Ohio State's not going to have that chance. I think that's a really interesting conversation. I thought we were done, but I don't think we are now because I don't I would argue that Ohio State is much better positioned to straddle both of those lines given its current philosophy. And because they're not going to be Texas A&M and have a complete wholesale turnover of their roster every year because they lose guys and can't write checks that clear, um, they're they're going to be immune from that problem, right? I mean, they're not going to pay millions of dollars to recruits. They're also not going to go full scale transfer portal like Michigan State and Mel Tucker. So they're not going to have to worry about their culture on a year-in, year-out basis. Uh, certainly, I think if you look at, you know, Georgia is similar in the way they've used the transfer portal, but obviously we know that their NIL uh, inducement game is pretty strong and they're going to keep using that. Ohio State has its own lane here where that class that we talked about on a per-player basis uh, and – and not everybody likes hearing that, or they don't think that it's legitimate on rivals. That I, whatever, that's fine. Ohio State's comfortable with 
the amount of guys that they signed and how high caliber all those are. If you stay through with the development process of those guys, and then you wind up with seniors and you supplement with a selective use of the transfer portal, I think they get the best of both worlds and they can have high end talent and seniors the way that you're talking about with TCU. I, I, I think that's possible. Maybe it's not, but I I think it is. No, it's possible. There are a few of those college basketball teams that have done that now for the last handful of years. Gonzaga's, Michigan State. Those guys, they they find a way to bring in the five star one and duns and 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 the guys that need to develop and grow and that want to just play at that spot. But I think more often than not, you've seen what happened to Kentucky in the last ten years in basketball. When all you have are those one and dones and those guys who are expecting to be five year five stars come in, give us everything we're, we expect the world, and then it takes a minute to get caught up to speed because you've been actually fed a line of garbage from from parents and AAU coaches and other stuff who've told you how great you are your whole life. When the truth is, you're not that great. You're just like a lot of other guys that you're playing against. Um, it becomes a lot harder for those guys to rationalize. Like, oh crap, I need to stay and stick this out, and especially so when now you have coaches like i don't know pick one Deion sanders <laughs> saying hey well just come here instead and, and i'll make sure that you like it's it's based on nothing it's based on just hype and promise but that's what a lot of uh recruiting is now and it's it's always been sales but to find a way to become one of those programs uh, not that we're talking too much about college basketball but like michigan state or like gonzaga that finds a way to do both like that that has to be the sweet spot ohio state's you know going to lean into yeah i don't know i i think back to just you know standing in the woody on the start of the early signing period and maybe it's uh rationalizing maybe it's night naivete i don't know but i like if ohio state is not dropping massive bags and 1.8 million dollars they're not going to have to deal with a lot of that uncertainty of the one year and bounce to the next bag because they don't play like not every you'd player hope, is the you'd same hope not. Yep. Yeah, and I don't I don't know. I don't have there's not enough evidence to support either claim, but I, I just when I look at it, I'm beginning to think that the it's not great when you lose five stars that Ohio State wants. I understand that. But I, I'm starting to think that Ohio State being patient with what it does well, it, that it can be rewarded for that. And I I may well be wrong. No, no question you be, about. But you that. may be right. I think the 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 issue that we'll we are going to have to watch as it unfolds is, let's say a player like Carnell Tate, for example, who is a five star wide receiver, has been on record this week from the uh, All American Bowl down in Texas saying that like he knew he had opportunities to make a lot of money up front, wanted to go to Ohio State, pick Brian Hartline in the development track at Ohio State. Right now, what we're what you're going to see is that as a true freshman, if he doesn't play a lot, which is feasible, Ohio State should return their top four wide receivers, and he's going to have to do some work to get into that rotation. The same coaches that were telling him a year ago, we're going to give you a lot of money, (laughs) are going to say, we'll still give you a lot of money, and you can come right here and play without having to, like, at at some point that, that we know we have to develop is going to come down to individual people trusting yep. a system implicitly and so uh it's on ryan day and brian hartline and tony alford and the ohio state staff to make sure that they are not they can't drop the ball for a second at this point because if you do someone else is going to be there to pick it up and hand the ball in one hand and a bag of cash in another and <laughs> that's a difficult uh proposition it gets hard to carry all that it sure does oh well i, I wouldn't um, know i've never carried a bag of cash <laughs> We should try that someday. 
America, if you just want to send us in <laughs> cash, we will we'll do an experiment on the podcast daily. We will see how big of a bag of cash we can carry. <laughs> just DM us and let us know where you want to send the money to, whether it's Austin's house or my house or whatever, and we will see what the heaviest bag of cash we can carry is. And a football at the same time. Then, after we see what we can carry, we will donate it to the Ohio State recruiting efforts. Deal? <laughs> Wait a minute. All I mean, of it? Whatever. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the way it works. We can't, can't keep it. That's immoral. I mean... I think we're managing the money, right? Aren't we supposed to get a cut of that? I don't know. It nope. doesn't matter. No we'll work. Out, we'll work out those logistics later. Um, we have obviously come to the end of our time on the podcast daily for Thursday when we get to begging for bags of cash, which are so prevalent in the. I don't think before. we were begging. I mean, it was just a soliciting. Ask. Soliciting. Yeah, that's better. Better. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, we uh, will end it there. Uh, let us know though if you want to follow through on that. We're always uh, amenable to those ideas. He's Berm. I'm Austin. This has been the Podcast Daily for Thursday. We'll talk to you later.